Hey guys, uh, as promised, we are back for the second week in a row. And of course, we've got Stephanie on here. And if you think last week was wild, you are in for an awakening. That's probably a good choice of words for this one, because Stephanie is back today to tell us the ongoing experiences she's had with UFOs, aliens, and that whole gambit. So again, thanks for coming on, Stephanie. Once again, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So I, I know that, you know, I'm going to try to keep a certain, keep it as short as I can and lots tell. So I'm just going to get started with it. As soon as the almost possession or whatever you want to call it, the near possessing happened, I felt like the ghost activity died down and the aliens literally tapped in. I know I said briefly in the first episode that I have vivid dreams every night. Every night I have vivid dreams, I dream in color, I wake up, I remember them. And normally the dreams are battling something, battling any, like it's very strange. You would almost think that I had the life of a soldier or something with the fact that they're always violent. There's always a war combat or something going on. And I wake up and I'm just, I instantly, I feel drained just from my dreams. Well, this first encounter that I think that I had with aliens At the time, I didn't really know what it meant, but then after my third encounter or my third incident, and I realized, oh no, this is what's happening. Holy cow, I cannot believe this. It made me think back to this first instance. So like I said, my dreams, I'm always battling something, battling people. And all of a sudden my dream stops being a dream and it takes a hard left. And I believe this is one of the first occurrences that I had of realizing that, all right, this is not a dream anymore. Like I'm not in Kansas anymore. So I'm in this house and I'm fighting aliens, but what I'm really doing is they're trying to pin me down and I'm not like, I'm not going easy. I am making it a little bit tough. Like I'm fighting, resisting, and they finally get on top of me and they pin me down and one stands over me. And it's what you would, you know, I'm trying to think of kind of what they would look like because when I started encountering them, I saw what the typical grays were, but these were light grays, but just a tad bit different. But one came over top of me and it had a long metal needle, but it was thicker than a needle, thinner than a straw. It was like a metal tube that was very long. And as I'm, I'm being pinned down and I'm screaming, they take the needle and they stick it into the side of my stomach under my left breast, a couple inches down from that. And they stick it in and they, and they're just pushing through, like they're just going in deep. And then I'm screaming and I wake up and when I wake up, it hits me. I instantly grab that area thinking that really did happen because I feel the pain in that area. So I check my skin for like a, a wound. I check it for like a, a hole or something that I'm like, this had to have happened. And I check my skin and I see not, like, I feel nothing. I see nothing. I run to the bathroom. I lift up my shirt. I check the, my back. I check the front and all the while the inside, like my body, it was a very isolated, excruciating, burning sensation, like a pain. And it wasn't like a muscle cramp in the side, you know, or anything like that. And then I told myself, you know what must have happened? I must have, like one of my organs that's in that vicinity must be going bad. Like, this is how I go. I was like, maybe too many margaritas or dirty martinis. It's not where my liver is, but maybe another organ's failing. And I thought, that's what it is. I have some kind of whatever organ is there. It's having some kind of issue and that's what's making, producing that pain. And my body 
was like, Ooh, this is very painful. Let me put this into her dream. So like, you know, I kind of was like, my body was in so much pain that it popped it up to my head and, and incorporated it into my dream. And I was like, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. And you know, so the whole day and the next day, it was just this isolated, just excruciating. And it's funny because, you know, when you think about like, what would happen if I, you know, I don't know if you ever think about this, Jerry, I don't know why you would, but if you're like, I wonder what it would feel like to be stabbed in the leg with a knife. And then you're like, you play it in your head. Like, what would that actually feel like? And then, and then you're like, I have a very good idea what that pain would be. That's what that pain reminded me of. Like that pain was such a, this is what it would feel like if a long metal thing was stuck into my body in a very, a very small isolated area. This is what it is. Like, that's what that pain did. And I, it confused the hell out of me. And I was just like, it kind of left me like, oof, I've never, ever dreamt about an alien before in my life. And then I'm being, you know, stuck and prodded and I'm being held down. I'm like, that was crazy. So I did one of those, hey, my dreams are wild and move on with your life. Not a big deal. Just another hey, day. Let me, let me interrupt and ask a question real quick. Yeah. So I'm playing devil's advocate here, not disputing anything that went on. But so in that situation, you said you checked yourself and there was no visible signs of wounds, but you had the inner pain. Why do you think a situation would happen to where they would heal you externally, but you would not be healed internally to where you're still feeling the pains? And this will be the last story I tell sloppy. They got a little sloppy. Uh, That's what I feel like, because I, I realized that they're not supposed to leave any evidence behind or anything like that's part of the. They take you, you don't leave any evidence behind. And the last story I will tell, marks were left behind and there were bruises that were forming hours after they probably brought me back. So when they brought me back, they couldn't see the bruises and then they formed and they weren't just like bruises. You'll hear that story eventually. So that's kind of my thought of they must've done something to the wound front or front or back or whatever, but it left that isolated pain. And it just could honestly be Do I think that's the only thing they probably did to me? Probably not. So when you think about whatever they do, what kind of workup and the things that a person goes through when they get abducted, it's like probably a big long checklist of things that they have to correct or make sure there's nothing left behind. And it might've just been an oversight. That would be my thinking. But like I said, at the time, it was such a weird sensation that it didn't feel like an organ pain or cramp. It's it felt like as if I was stabbed with that thing. So, you know, I mean, that's a great question, but that's just my theory is that it was an oversight because they're not supposed to leave any evidence behind or any proof behind that you've been taken. And on the last thing that I, I had, I have proof and I took pictures and I had it on the phone, but it was my old galaxy. My mom saw it, but it was one of those things where I'm not laughing at it now because it's not funny, but it kind of is funny. I was like, oh, shit, somebody forgot to raise like to make sure there was no evidence. But it was because it was like if you bang your your leg against the table, it's not going to leave a mark right away. And you think, oh, I'm good, but that's going to leave a mark later. And a couple hours later, you have a bruise forming and then it just gets deeper and darker and brighter. So that's my thinking. So this is why I think that that is my first experience. It was like but one of the it's one of those things where everything else that happened there was no shadow of a doubt. So this first one left doubt in my mind, but this was my first recall of dreaming of an alien or anything. And it literally, after that happened, that's what every few weeks to a month, something else would happen that was alien related. So 
that's what made me go back and think like, maybe that dream wasn't just a dream and they removed the, the wound, but they didn't take away the pain on the inside. So that's my thinking. But you know, once again, who, who knows? I don't know about that, that one. I know about all the other ones, but I don't know about that one. That was something I overlooked, like not a big deal. But then until the third thing that happened, then I was like, okay. And then I started connecting dots. The second thing happened weeks after that dream or organ failure, whatever it is, I woke up and, and once again, I, I worked mainly on the weekends. So I had a very nice, relaxed lifestyle through the week. So I woke up and I knew instantly, cause it was, I could, I looked at my bedroom window and it was black outside. And I thought, oh God, please don't let me be up too early because then I won't be able to go back to sleep. And then, you know, you know how it is when you're like, you're praying it's two o'clock in the morning, but it's, you know, six o'clock and you're like, shit. So that's basically what it was. I woke up and I saw it was blackout and I thought, oh man, what am I doing up? I don't even have to work today. And then I was like, well, let me grab my phone and see what time it was. And I looked at my phone, it said 6.07. I remember it clearly, 6.07. And I thought to myself, yep, your day's ruined because, you know, you're going to go back to sleep at eight, sleep until noon. Then you're not waking up and getting on the house to one. Like it was a whole thing in my brain that was happening. So I was like six or seven, try to go back to sleep. And I was like, no, I can't. Then I said to myself, well, I really can't because I have to pee. So let me just get up and go pee. My, I had a very low platform bed. I get out, I stand up and I take a couple steps. And I, I don't remember walking through my bedroom door, through the hallway, a short little distance hallway and into the bathroom. But I remember all of a sudden I'm in my bathroom, flipping on the light in the bathroom. I go and sit down, I go to pee. And this is when I check Snapchat every day, all day. I check my Snapchat. And as I'm opening up my phone again, it says 707. And I was like, no, 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 no. It said 607. So I'm sitting there in disbelief, looking at my phone. I clearly saw 607. Cause I remember saying 6 AM, what are you doing up now? It's 707. So I do, is it spring forward? I'm like, no, we're closer to fall back than spring forward. And I said, is there any other type of time? Like I'm now I'm researching. Is there any type of time change that I'm not aware of that happens once every 50 years or something, you know, something, who knows? And nothing, <laughs> right. yeah, like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to, like, like you said, I try to debunk absolutely everything. And at the time I didn't think aliens, I thought mental illness, you know, which, you know, to be determined. So I, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, that's weird. And then I was like, I don't remember how I got to the bathroom. And I was telling myself, you went back to bed, you fell asleep for 59 minutes, you got back up, but you don't remember walking back to the bathroom. And then you got there exactly at 7.07 to sit on the pot to pee. I was like, that doesn't make sense. But I said, you know what? I don't really care. I'm not going to tell anybody about this because I don't want to worry my mom or my, like anybody in my family or my, or any of my best friend or anything. I'm not going to let anybody worry about this. And I said, I'm going to make note because I'm not going to go to a doctor for a one-time blackout. And I said, but if it happens again, I'm going to have to go see somebody because then I have no business being on the road. I don't, you know, it's just a safety thing for other people involved. So when I walk back into my room, I look at the bedroom window and it's light outside. So it went from being black outside to now being like the sun is up. And that's when I was like, it really dawned on me, like an hour has passed. There's no way it went from being pitch black to, and in a minute and a half, it's like the sun's almost completely up. So I thought, once again, this is something weird that happens in my life. I'm very used to paranormal and ghosts and, you know, demons and things. I was like, you know, I'm just going to ignore this. I'm not going to think about it. There's nothing now, but that was total confirmation for me. Like I didn't miss look at my phone. It went from black outside to now it's light outside in a matter of a minute and a half. 
So I go back to bed. I don't know if I fall back asleep. It's, it's who cares? It's not the point of the story. So a few weeks later, I wake up and I'm in my bedroom and it's late morning. I have to admit, I'm one of those people that reaches for my phone to see missed calls and text messages because I turn my phone on silent uh, so I can sleep in. So I go to reach for my phone and all of a sudden something catches my eye in my room. And I look up and I'm staring at an alien. And what it was doing, it, it was, it had something that was making it appear invisible, but I can see the outline of it. But everything around its body, it had like a, almost like what you would call like a Harry Potter cloak, you know, where you can see the outline of the cloak, but you, and it's supposed to reflect the room, but I'm looking at it and I can see everything. I can see where its hands are, it, but it's reflecting my room. I can see the boxes in the corner that it's standing in front of, but I can see through it and the boxes in the corner of shoes and purses I haven't unpacked. My table, my desk, it's reflecting everything. Even the cord from my TV down to my um, router box. And, I, and I'm looking at it and I go, there's an alien in my room staring at me. And as soon as I realize what is happening and that I'm actually awake, the adrenaline hits me, the fear hits me, the don't just lay there, get up and run. So it all hits me and I go to sit up real quick. And I, um, as soon as I sit up, it does something with its arm and then I pass back out. Like I'm knocked back out. Whatever, whatever it did to me and it wears off, I wake up and I just start losing it. Th screaming, there was an alien in my room. Oh my God, it was an alien. I was, and I just, you know, I, I know for a fact that it's no longer in my room because I firmly believe like whatever it did, it, it knocked me back out because you don't go from saying, okay, I'm looking at an alien, have the realization, yeah, it's an alien, thinking, am I awake? Then realizing you're awake, feeling the adrenaline, feeling the fear, feeling the, it's, girl, it's time to get out of this room and go somewhere else. You know, you just don't go to sleep. Would you go to sleep when a bear's, like a bear breaks into your house and you're just like, oh, look, a bear, let me go back to sleep. It doesn't happen. There was too much adrenaline pumping up. So that's why when I woke up, it was on. I was full on losing my shit. So I do what any grown woman would do, call her mom. And because she's the person I turn to most for these things because, you know, she's witnessed things. She's knows things. She's experiencing. She knows about this stuff. I call my mom and I'm like hyperventilating. I go, mom, okay, there was an alien in my room. There was an alien in my room. And I said, I woke up and, and I see this alien, but it's supposed to look invisible, but I can clearly see it. And it put me back to sleep and I woke up again and I'm calling you and there's an alien in my room and I just start losing it. I said, it's not fair. I said, this is not fair. I said, I can't have ghosts and, and demons and aliens. I go to house it and I, it's like I have a choice, but I freak out. I'm saying, you better be one or the other. I go, it's not fair to do somebody. You can't give them both. Like you can't. And my mom's like, you know, breathe, Stephanie, calm down. And I, and I just remember repeating, it's not fair. Just as I'm getting over dealing with the ghosts and demons and moving on with my life and, and feeling like I have somewhat control over that aspect. Now you give me aliens. And then I started saying, you can't even shoot them. Like, what am I going to do? My gun's not going to do anything. There's no way I can fight an alien. I will always lose. And I said, what are they going to do to me? And my mom just, I remember her. She got really silent. She's like, I am so sorry. I feel like this is all my fault in a way because of my family you know, the RH negative blood type. She goes, I just feel like, she's like, I'm so, oh my God, I'm going to cry. Just thinking about, sorry, there's no reason to cry. <laughs> um, she just kept saying, I'm so sorry because I feel like 
if my family didn't have these gifts or abilities, or we didn't have this blood type, you wouldn't be tormented like this. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And I was just like, you know, like still repeating, it's not fair. They have to pick one or the other, like who is they? And like, I have a choice option a ghosts and demons or option B aliens or, you know, see none of the above. I, t- I checked C like, I'll take none of the above for 200 please. Um, but <laughs> so I, I, Oh, and then I told my mom, I said, I didn't want to say anything to you. I did want to mention this because I, I, I just didn't know what this meant, but I said, I lost an hour of time. And in my mind also, I was thinking alien abductions. When people talk about losing time, they're gone for like two hours. They're gone for three hours, four hours. I'm like, I'm like, they don't abduct you for an hour. Do they like, what are they going to do in an hour? But once again, you're talking about things that can do anything and everything. Who's to say my hour is actually an hour for them, you know, right. almost. So, so let me, let me was, ask you this real quick. When you yeah. first saw this thing, what was it that made you initially know this is an alien and it's not some other type of entity or demon or what, what was it that made you think alien right off the bat? It looked exactly like what they call the small grays, a hundred, like the head, the eyes. It was the exact, if you Google an image of gray aliens, it identical. And, but yet it was supposed to be invisible. Like it was reflecting my room around it. So that's what made me think it was an alien because it was the shape of the head. It was, it didn't make its eyes invisible. Like I could still like see its eyes kind of skinny, thin body. That's like not even, you know, like super thin, long arms, like long fingers. I I don't think it even had five. It wasn't like a typical hand. And it was, like I said, if you Google, and that's what I did, I'm Googling aliens. And then what pops up and I'm like, you know, it's the one that has like a smooth head, a big head, skinny body. And then I see like the grays and I was like, that's the bitch. That's what I saw. But it was trying to be invisible in my room thinking that, you know, I, I, I'm sure it probably wasn't thinking I was going to wake up and that it was just reflecting my room and that I would just, even if so, by the time I woke up, maybe it would put me back out and I would not even get a glimpse of it. But it was one of those things where I could sense that I wasn't alone. Like I scanned and I just knew I wasn't alone. So that's how I, I instantly went to alien because I mean, man, it looked, it, it looked like a gray. It was an alien, its head, its body, everything. Okay. So you, you talked to your mom, you told her everything that was going on. She told yeah. you, she felt like it was her fault. What happened next? Yeah. Well, I mean, I told her about the time missing and she goes, why didn't you tell me before? And I said, well, I didn't know what the time miss, missing meant. I said, I had no idea. And I said, now it makes sense because that was only like a few weeks ago. I have an hour missing and then now I have an alien in my room. So was I abducted? Did they take me for an hour? Because there's a period of like, how did I get from the middle part of my room to my bathroom? You know, and I don't remember that part. So my mom just kept thinking like, all right, well, you know, calm down, which is easier said than done. Then she was just like, you know, try to take your mind off of it. I think she was like, you know, get out of the house for a minute. Like they didn't live in state at the time and do whatever you can. And I don't remember what I did for the rest of the day. I mean, what can you do? I feel like I'm going to call my best, like my best friends down in Florida and be like, Hey, I just saw an alien in my room. Can we just like go hang out so I can take my mind off of it? So I just do what I do best, pretend things don't happen and ignore it. So that's what I did. I put it in the back of my mind. And once again, I still didn't even put together that first dream that I told you about. I didn't even connect it, but I connected the, all right. I find it suspicious that I had the dream a couple of weeks later. Or a week later, I have an hour missing. And then a couple of weeks after the hour missing, I now see my first alien. Time went by and it happened again. And this time 
I told my, like this time I woke up and I was like, I'm not freaking out. I'm going to get as much info and detail I can about this. So it was standing right next to my bed. It was the same type of thing, same shape, same size. And what it did was it did the same thing where it looked like it was trying to like trying to be invisible. Like it was reflecting, it was standing in front of my closet door, but I could see my closet door and it's like stomach area. So it was trying to reflect the room back at me. And it's inches from my face. When I say inches, like I am face to crotch ratio with this thing almost. And it's above me doing something and it's scanning me. It, it has some kind of thing floating in the air above me. And I can feel the warmth of the scanning. It starts scanning my head. It scans my chest. And then it scan, scans my like lower half, like, you know, like say reproductive organs, or I'm sure it's not interested in my small intestine or my large, large intestine, like it cares. So it's just doing a scan of my body. And I could feel where it was at any point in time because I could feel the energy of the scan, what it put off. And I could feel almost like the warmth of it. So mm -hmm. it's messing with something above me that's floating in the air. And I am laying on my side and I'm like, all right, you know how, like when a kid pretends to sleep, you know, and their parents are like, are they asleep? I pretended to stay asleep and I opened my eyes to just a slit. So it's standing above me. It can kind of see my eyes still look closed. So I opened my eyes a little bit and I start getting in details. Like, all right, like it's body shape and stuff. And what I noticed was it had something around its stomach, almost like a belt or a device. And I didn't even see like a strap, like it would be a belt. It was a device around its stomach that emitted an electromagnetic magnetic wave. And when I looked at this thing, I'm staring at it, trying to figure out like, what is that thing? I realized that the rippling effect that's coming off this device is what makes it look invisible. Like that's what gives it the illusion that it's, you know, not that I can't see it or whatever. So the invisibility comes from a device that is around its stomach. So I become like almost mesmerized by this device. I kind of open my eyes a little bit and I raise my head up. And when I did, I knew I was caught. I was like, uh-oh, because the alien grabbed the thing from the air that was above me and brought it back down. And then I instantly knew, I'm like, oh shit, it knows that, it knows that I'm awake. And so I look up at it and it looks down at me and we're just staring for you know a couple of seconds and it looks at me and then I go back out again. Like I pass back out and I woke up Again, after I don't know how long I fell back asleep for, you know, it could be 20 minutes, could be a couple of hours. I have no idea. And I didn't freak out as much this time, but, you know, I did do the whole, oh my God, not again. Like this is okay. No, no, no. Cause everything was happening in such a short span of time. I just thought, dude, I hope this is not going to be a regular thing. Like this is, this is wild. So I called my mom again. And I said, dude, it was in my room again. I said, and it was scanning my body. It scanned my brain. It scanned like where my heart is. And then it scanned where like my reproductive system is. I was like, it's checking on me or something. And I explained what happened to my mom or whatever. And once again, it was like, there's nothing we can do about it. Like, what do you do? You can't wear a protection medallion. You can't say prayers to God or anything like that. Like you just, you're kind of helpless to it. So I remember years later, I did eventually go back and Google because I thought, I wonder if anybody else saw like invisible or clear aliens. And there's whole groups of people out there that are, they call it the predator alien from, I guess that movie, the predator, where yep. that thing. Yeah. So it was like that you could see. And when I Googled the predator movie, I remember like, the thing looks invisible, but you can see where it's the outline of it, you know, where the yeah, it's image like a is a holographic little... type look. 
Exactly. And that's exactly what I saw. And it made me feel better thinking, you know, I've heard of things about people encountering aliens and stuff like that. And I've never heard of a, an invisible alien. So I was just kind of like, all right, that's, that's one thing that makes me feel a little bit better that it's kind of confirming what I saw. Um, I kind of asked like, has anybody felt like their body being scanned or anything like that? And I didn't really come up with much info on that. So time has passed and I don't have any activity. And I'm thinking, and I started making a joke about it. Like, well, I must be barren or my eggs must be bad because they've left me alone. I'm great. I didn't want to have kids anyway in my life. So I'm like, I'm glad I'm not fertile. I'm glad they've left me alone. I was under the assumption that I was being left alone because I was no longer waking up with aliens in my room before I had a cup of coffee for the day. You know what I mean? So right. I was like, let it, let a girl get a cup of coffee before you traumatize her. Jesus. Yeah. So, make a good Folgers commercial. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this message is sponsored by Folgers and the aliens. So I like it. We better patent that quick before, you know, anybody steals that idea, start selling merch, man. But anyway, so the next thing that happened, I, I feel like I don't know how much time has passed, but it's enough. Could be year or whatever it is. I am visiting my brother and his family. They lived, they moved back to the home state and I would go frequently back to their house to visit so I could spend time with his kids. I woke up. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. The first time it happened, my brother called me and said, hey, we're going on vacation. Can you come up and stay with the kids, watch the house and all the animals and stuff like that while we go for a week. And I was like, heck yeah. So I go up and my mom, who also lived in the state that I lived in at the time as well, she's like, I want to come too. And I'm like, great. So we, we went up and we stayed with the kids. And one morning I woke up and I had a very vivid memory. It wasn't a dream. I had a memory that sometime around 11 o'clock at night or midnight, my mom and I and my brother's kids we're up because, you know, we let the kids stay up a little bit later. So, you know, who cares about bedtime right now type situation when we were watching them. So I had a memory of all of a sudden the house filled up. My brother's house filled up with light. I realized that it was aliens coming for me. And my mom and I took each grabbed a kid and ran downstairs in the basement. And then I gave my mom the other kid and I said, just I'm going to go take care of this. And then I said, stay down here. Whatever you do, do not come upstairs. And the girls, my, my nieces are screaming. My mom is saying, what is happening? What is happening? And I knew in this memory, I knew what was happening. And I was like, you guys stay here. I'll go up there. And I had, the, and I had that memory. And I thought, that's strange. And I, I didn't think anything of it. Okay. I was just like, whatever. I was like, I must have dreamt that. And you're talking to a girl who literally... When I have a dream, I wake up every day. I remember my dream, basically top to bottom, everything, what I'm wearing, what, I, what I'm feeling, what other people are wearing and saying. So I was like, this is like a memory. I didn't know. It felt very weird and foggy to me, but I didn't think anything of it. And, you know, time passed and probably another year went by or a little less than a year. My brother, um, I'm going up to visit. I think it was around the holiday time. And it, it was just me coming up for a visit. I was staying in the guest room and the guest room was right above the kitchen. And I remember being awake on my phone at like four o'clock in the morning. And once again, it was the same effect. Like I wake, I wake up from a night and I have a memory and the memory is at the end of the story. I'll tell why I think I remember these things. So I'm in the guest room and the room lights up and I hear the whoop, whoop, whoop sound. And I recognize the sound as this is a sound I hear all the time. 
I remember my brother also doesn't sleep well through the night. Like myself, we're, we're late night people. I remember hearing him downstairs in the kitchen, opening up the fridge and getting a snack and getting some water. So I all of a sudden saw the lights in the bedroom I was staying in upstairs. I hear the sound and then I have time to think, oh no, they're here for me again. And then I think, oh shit, my brother's awake. So aliens can dematerialize a wall. Like they can just take down a wall, take down a ceiling, like, like it doesn't even exist and then build it back up again. And after learning about frequencies and things like that, and what you can do with sound and frequencies, I mean, it would be nothing for them to blast a frequency or do one of their amazing techno technological, whatever they have. And that's also something I looked later, looked up later on down the line. Like can an alien, can they just make walls and ceilings disappear and, it, and roofs? And it was like, yes, everybody's talked about their experiences like that. So this is when it gets, it solidifies that maybe I have been regularly abduct, abducted. They come in, they dematerialize the wall and they're walking in. I just remember feeling, how dare you? You don't come here. Like I was saying, you don't come here to my brother's house. Do you understand this? Like his kids, you don't come to his house. Whatever we do outside of this, that's fine, but you just don't come to my brother's house. And at the same time, my brother walks in the door and he sees me and an alien grabbing me by the arm, leading me on to like the little ramp walkway thing. And my brother, you know, is a very big, muscular, in-shape guy, played a professional sport, still takes great care of himself. He also has trained with boxing and things. He knows how to handle himself, but dude, you're no match. Even if these aliens look smaller than him, like he had no chance. So he goes, my brother has a moment to like take it in. And then all of a sudden he goes to help me thinking that he can do something. And then I don't know what they do to him, but it's like, they make him immobile. Like whatever they do, they incapacitate him. He can't Throw a punch, she can't do anything. And I, I just kept looking at him like, it's fine, it's fine, just relax. I was like, the girls are downstairs, just relax. And then I looked back at him and this is what like really gave me, really kind of like upset me is what I said to him. I said, they take me all the time. They always bring me back and I never remember what they do. Just let it happen. The kids are downstairs. There's nothing we can do. And as they're leading me up, I just remember being pissed. I think I was cussing them out like, not my brother's effing house. Like, how dare you? And I'm being this serious. When I tell you that I could definitely see myself, like if they're about to probe me, say, are you going to buy a real drink first? Like I'm that type of, I'm that type of person that when I realize that, I mean, once I'm over the initial fear, or whatever, that it's going, like, there's nothing I can do type situation. Like I would, I'm the type of person I would think that if I could get the aliens to like me or think I'm funny, which they probably don't think I'm funny or like me, then Maybe they might go easy on me or something. So I just remember back, like yelling at the aliens, thinking back, talking them. And then I walk on and I see a doctor and I recognize this doctor. It's a human doctor that I see every time I get abducted. So this is not someone I see. And I know from my everyday given life, first and foremost, I have a female doctor or my, you know, my primary care doctor is a woman. So as I'm being led onto them, like they're pulling me by the arm, I'm being mouthy. My brother's standing in the corner and I don't know what's happening to him, but he's not moving anymore. I see the human doctor and he's a shorter man, stocky, balding on top, thinning hair on top, dark hair. He was wearing glasses and I see him and I know him and I know him and it makes me sick thinking about it. But it's like, I know him because like every time I'm abducted, he's the guy that's helping and facilitating the procedures. So I knew I couldn't do anything to the alien. So I punched the guy in the face. I hit him in the face, strike him. His glasses go flying off. 
and all the aliens are just like they're a little stunned like holy shit which is so they grab me both hands and restrain me and the doctor bends over picks up his glasses adjusting his face and I look at the doctor and I said, you know, I get why they do it. And I motion over to the one to my left that's holding me, you know, by my arm, by my hands. You know, I get why they do it. But I said, how dare you? I go, you're one of us. I said, you're a human. How could you help them do this to another, like to someone of your own kind? And as he's putting his glasses on, he looks at me and he goes, do you think I have a choice? And it dawned on me and I was like, oh shit. And I was really, and then he said, you know, I have a family too. And then one of the aliens is something behind me. And I don't remember anything after that. And I realized that there's been people saying that there's been humans on board UFO, UFO ships doing like whatever it is when they get abducted, the things that they do or whatever, there's human doctors there and things like that. And I realized that the doctor is in the same position I am in. You're powerless. You have to do what they want or do go with them because you can't fight them. You can't win. So you just might as well do it. Now, it's a little bit different because he's not the one getting tested and he's probably not the one getting prodded and things like that. But still, he's also just kind of like in our same in my same boat in a way. We're there against our will. Like we're not there. And the reason I feel like I woke up with these memories and not the other ones, because I said they take me all the time. The fact that I said that, what like it was just one of those things like, why would I say that? And they bring me back and I never remember what they do. And the only reason I think that I remembered, I have a memory, like a, like a deep rooted memory of those two instances is because that the emotion that was with those things, with those particular instances, probably the emotion of me getting abducted from my apartment in the state that I lived in, it was an occurrence thing and I felt fine, but I feel very protective over my nieces. And that's why I kept iterating. You don't do this here at my brother's house to understand. And it was the fear and the, like, I mean, straight up fear that you don't come to my brother's house where his children are. Do you understand that? Like, I will go and do whatever you want, but you don't come here. And that's why I feel like I remembered those two instances. Like I was able to break through whatever mind thing they did to me to get me to forget all the other times was because of the emotion of protecting my nieces was so strong that it brought the memory forward. You know, somebody said, have you ever thought about doing one of those where hypnotize? Um, oh my God, your cat is so cute. Um, hypnotize um, where you get hypnotized and put out and they can basically bring back maybe some of the memories of what happened when you the were past regression. Yes. And I was like, hell no. Here's why. Nobody wants to know more than I do. Trust me, I'm very curious. Nobody wants to know more than myself what was done to me when I've been taken. But I know that if I see some kind of recording of myself or hear some audio of while I'm under talking about the things or screaming from pain, dude, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm good. I don't need that visual or that sound to traumatize me or to, to bring up feelings or emotions like that. And then having to like deal with it. I, I'm like, nope, I don't, I'm good. I don't need to know. I don't need to know what happened. I don't need to know anything. So once again, it was one of those things where even with all these things happening, I'm still just like, wow, did these happen? And I'm like, no, I know they did. And this isn't a story about how it wasn't actual aliens, but my body thought it was. So my body had a visceral reaction. And to me, that was concrete evidence before I had concrete evidence that it was happening. I was visiting my parents. Once again, it's always around visiting my parents. I was visiting my parents 
and they have those sleep number beds, you know, that they can adjust and that vibrate that you don't have to put quarters in, you know, I remember um, the bed was against the back far wall along the house. And that was the same wall that went all the way into the living room. And I was in the living room watching a movie and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And my mom and dad turned on the vibrating bed. And no, it wasn't, it wasn't for any type of passionate lovemaking or anything. They just turned it on. Wow. Wow. Exactly. Quarter (laughs) quarters, not included. So I didn't know my dad turned that on or anything like that. But all I know is, is that I'm sitting there close to that wall watching TV and I hear a boom, boom sound. And before my mind could know what I was hearing, my body reacted to it like a visceral reaction. My body had a reaction before my mind could even catch up. I had every bit of hair on my body just stand up. I had adrenaline. I had that fear of flight. I had panic. I mean, it was like panic that takes your breath away. And then it clicked in my brain. Oh my God, it's the sound of a UFO. They're here to get you. So then I went, you know, panic mode and I jump up and I did anything that, you know, a person would safety in numbers. I run to where my parents are. And then when I get in there, I hear my dad's bed vibrating and I'm a little bit hyperventilating because my body thinks it's about to get abducted. It's reacting to it. My whole body's reacting to it. And then I'm like, wait a minute, did you, did you just now turn that on? My dad's like, yeah, yeah, I did. And I said, oh, thank God, because I could hear the way the bed has multiple different types of vibrating beads or patterns or whatever. And the one that I could hear in his, in the room was the boom, boom, boom. And I was like, oh, thank God, it's your vibrating bed. And it was, and then I it pieced it together. It was against the back wall. But then once again, it was those, one of those things that it made me realize that my body thought it was about to be abducted and it, and it reacted to that sound. So if I'm not getting abducted and none of this is happening, why is my body reacting like, oh God, please not this again. So I was able to calm down. I did start crying. I'm not going to lie because when you have that much adrenaline, fear and panic, and then you had that release of, oh, you're safe. Like it just, I was like, oh my God, my parents are like, why are you crying? What is wrong with you? And I just said, that was, that's the sound. And I just kind of broke, broke it down. And my mom was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. My dad was just, okay, you know, and then move on to forget about it. Like once again, out of sight, out of mind, just a few years ago was the most recent thing, maybe not even two years ago. I don't know. It's like I said, I don't document. I never documented any dates or whatever. I have roundabout generalization of how old I was by basically where it happened, where things happened. Um, Cause I never thought I would tell anybody this, let alone on a podcast. Trust me, never thought this would happen. So I, um, I, I spent the night, I remember visiting my parents for a weekend at the lake and I woke up one morning, I walked downstairs, just a typical morning and I go to reach for something. And I wear like these big kimono robes. Like I love them. And I buy them extra big. So the sleeves go down to almost my wrist. And I go to reach for something and I get a glimpse of my inner forearm and I go, oh my, I, I, it looked like a burn mark. And I go, what is that? And it was a perfect inch wide, maybe a little bit more than an inch. And it was like a stripe in the center of the inside of my forearm. And I look at it and I instantly touch it because I thought it was a burn. And then when I touched it, I was like, oh, that hurt. I go, oh my God, that's a bruise. And I go, this is a bruise forming on my arm. I I looked at it and I was like, okay, what did I do yesterday? Did I carry groceries in? Because I'm one of those people, you get all the groceries in once, like one try. You don't make two trips. Let's see how much you can carry at once. So, you know, I was thinking like, maybe I looped him through my right arm and I just had him like laying on my arm and it maybe caused a bruise. Never happened before, but you know, could happen. I was like, no, I didn't do anything. And then I realized 
We did absolutely nothing because it was raining and we just stayed inside all day. Did absolutely nothing. I hate to admit, I played probably Candy Crush for most of the day. I I looked at it and I'm examining it, thinking to myself, all right, well, there's a bruise. I don't know how it got there. Move on, get over it. I go to reach for my charger, just plug my phone in with my left arm and holy shit, there's one on my left arm, the exact same mark. And I looked at it and I, I just remember then thinking, no way. So I put my arms together and I put my forearms together and I put them side by side and look at them. They line up perfectly. And they're the same size. They're the same color, the same everything. And I'm looking at them and I was like, this is not possible. You know, if they were like round bruises, I'd be like, oh man, I bumped into something, you know, but I have never had a bruise that was like a stripe, like a perfect line stripe. And I said, hey mom, I got to show you something. And she instantly knew, she's like, what, what's wrong? And I said, look at my arms. She goes, she instantly was like, are those burns? Cause they were like reddish purple. And I said, no, they're bruises. She goes, well, what'd you do? And I said, oh, that's the funny thing. I didn't do anything. She goes, well, how'd they get there? I said, I don't know. You tell me. She goes, no, seriously, Stephanie, how did they get there? And I said, no, I'm serious. I have no idea. And then we kind of get gave each other one of those looks like, well, let's just, let's, uh, let's move on. And I'm like, and I'm going to make myself some coffee. <laughs> so um, a few weeks go by and I'm watching some kind of TV show where a woman is having, you know, one of those, any type of TV show and a woman is in surgery and she's on a table and her arms are stretched out completely to her side to make a T or a cross. And they have her hooked up to IVs. And then I see her forearms and she has straps that are on the table that I guess that they use during surgery to keep your arm in the same place. And she was strapped down with about an inch wide. I don't know what type of material it was. I mean, I didn't, that was not my concern at the time, but her arms were strapped down in place while she was under having surgery. And I freaking, my stomach sank and I just got sick to my stomach. And I thought to myself, those marks on my arms, those were restraint marks. Those were restraint marks. And then this is where it goes to them not leaving any evidence behind. I had the thought of, oh my God, what did they do to me? where I fought and I resisted against it. Like, was I awake experiencing this? And then I thought, no, probably not because it was just too perfect. I think if I was trying to move my arms and try to free myself, I, the lines would not be perfectly just, you know, like one of them would be bruised a little bit more in a certain area and then maybe moved up from my arm moving so much being strapped down. So I thought, what could, what could do that? And then I thought, well, you know, what probably happened is that, Whatever little shit alien decided to strap me down, they strapped me down a little too hard, not thinking anything of it. When they returned me, they, you know, did, did the check over my body. No marks, no marks. She's fine. And just like I said earlier about bruises forming, you know how you hit your, hit, hit your arm or bump your side. And you're like, shit, that's going to leave a mark. And it takes an hour or two for it to show up. And they t- returned me. And hours later, I wake up and I have perfect restraint strap marks bruised on ingrained in my arm. And so that's the only thing I can think of that actually makes, makes sense. So I thought at this point they've left me alone by then, but apparently not. So I don't know. And that was the last thing that happened that I remember. But after basically my first encounter with the aliens, like the first time, like one was actually in my room. This is when I started having precognitive dreams. Like this is when 
whatever they did to me or whatever being around them, it elevated my brain or it unlocked something inside me. Cause I remember how I said, like I have gifts and abilities and like intuitions and stuff like that, whatever it did, it amped up the activity. So I started having, I used to, I used to think they were premonitions, but a premonition is like when you have a bad feeling that something bad's going to happen and then something bad happens. No, I was legit having dreams and then my dream would stop and it would split off. And then I started having visions and the visions would be a future events and, or they would be of a crime that happened in Europe that happened a year or two ago that, you know, we would never hear about something in Sweden and I would be living out as the person that found the little boy that was assaulted and all the things like I'm connected to the person that is there on the scene discovering this person. And I would wake up and Google all the things, place, time, you know, everything. And what would pop up is everything that I would think it would bring it up. I had the date or had the place correct. I had the information correct. I had the age correct. I've had names correct. And I thought, how do I know that these people are not even in the United States? I was actually having these dreams for a while before I finally one day said, I think I'm going to Google something or verify this. And it was because I had a dream about my cousin's husband, something to do with a relative or somebody, something like that dying. And, and it was attached to another dream. And it, I got like two messages in one, in one dream sequence or one vision sequence. Cause like I said, I will dream and my dream will split off. I know I'm not dreaming anymore. And I know now to pay attention. So, and like I said, I will tap in, I'll live other people's lives for the day. I, and that's what I may, makes me believe or not makes me believe. I know that there is a collective consciousness. So, so I was just hopping around to different people's bodies, experiencing their life for a few hours. I was different races, different ages and different parts of the country, just everything. And when I was in there, in their body, I knew the things that they know, like their kids' names. So I just, I, I just knew it. Right. So when I finally worked up, or when I finally had the realization, yo, you need to Google this was when it pertained to my cousin's um, husband. And what I said was factual. And instead of it being his sister, it was his best friend's sister. I was like, all right, I got to start paying attention to these things. And when I wake up, I'm going to start Googling it. So I know that you don't want to hear a thousand dream stories of future things that I predicted, predicted with friends and things like that. But I'm going to tell you the coolest ones. Like I picked out a few of the coolest ones. Um, I'm going to start off with the time traveling story first. This is by far my favorite thing that has happened to me in 20 years. If, if I could recreate this experience, I would do whatever I had to do every single night to have this happen all the time. Okay. So my time travel story. So this is, you know, months of me experiencing these dreams. And once again, I'm in the middle of one of my vivid dreams, my night tears, and I split off and I'm in a body of water and the water is turquoise and it's warm and it is it is just beautiful. It's clear, clear, beautiful turquoise water. And I am swimming in it. And I turn around and there's a, there's a man with me. And this man is, I can't see his face. I can just see his hair and I can see his smile. We're in this body of water swimming. And I realize, oh my God, where am I? Like, I realize I don't know where I am. Like, this is really strange. This is, but this is beautiful. So we're swimming and both of us are just kind of in awe. Like, where are we? you know, I don't have an answer. And I'm just thinking like, I don't know, but I don't care because this is amazing. So after swimming and breathing in the most, oh, just the cleanest, freshest air you could possibly imagine. I look towards where the beach is and I notice that it's like a little, I think they're called abrasion coast where water erosion has like kind of made like a little 
enclave of a beach, but like there's cliffs and big rocky formations on either side. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to like, I'm going to get out and like look around. So as I'm walking out, I remember that instead of sand, it was little small pebbles, like stones. I'm a little baby when it comes to stepping on stones with my feet. So I just even, even in this beautiful experience, I'm like, ow, shit, my feet, ow, ow. You know, and I'm walking along this beach going, my God, I need shoes, but I didn't have any shoes. I was like, all right, well, I don't see anything, but I hear voices up ahead. So the guy, he is not taking any initiative. I'm the one leading the path. He's just hanging back behind me, not doing anything, not contributing whatsoever. And I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going to like, we're going forward. So I'm walking and I'm hearing these voices and I realized, oh, this is a language I don't know. And the city that I lived in, I had, it was, it was called the melting pot of the state. And I had friends from everywhere, Albania, Morocco, Israel, I, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, England. I mean, I was friends with everybody. I'll show you. I had, it was such a cool, diverse group of people. And I was fascinated by their dialects and the things that they said and how they spoke that, you know, when they would talk, I would just love it. And I could tell the difference between one person speaking a certain way, what type of country they're from compared to even though certain things of Arabic might sound the same. It's not, you know, Moroccan is completely different and they also speak French. It's just, it, I just loved listening to people speak different languages. And I instantly was like, Ooh, okay. I don't understand what these people are. I, I, I don't know what this is. It's not Albanian. It's not Bosnian. It's not any of this stuff. You know, like, what is this? And I'm walking a little bit closer and I see that there's a market up ahead and I see a woman. And I was like, Oh, she's the closest person to me. I'm going to walk up towards her. And I start looking around. I was like, Oh shit, we are not in Kansas anymore. I was like, I instantly was like, Oh my God, I am not in my own time there. It was like a fish market. There's some meats. People sold bread. They sold like some flowers. They sold mostly fruit, but mostly fish because it was by the coast. And this woman takes a look at me and mind you, I believe that I am time traveling with the way I looked at that time. And I had neon red hair at the time or like neon deep red hair. It was, it was beautiful, but definitely didn't fit in that time period. She looks at me and her eyes go wild. She's dark. She's exotic. She has dark eyes, dark hair kind of pinned back. She's wearing like that burlap kind of dress. Like you would think of Roman or Grecian type dress but I could tell that she was poor. Like it wasn't a nice thing. I look at her and I just beeline. I'm like, yes. Cause she's looking at me. And I say to her, I said, Oh my God. And she looked. And the first thing she does is she speaks to me telepathically and she goes, and it's speaking in English. She goes, you're not supposed to be here. And I speak back to her out loud in English. I said, I know, but where, where am I? This is awesome. She goes, no, you're not supposed to be here and you need to go back in your own time. And I was just like, so it was confirmation. Like, yes, I need to go back into my own time. And I was like, no, I know I'm not in my time. But I said, you know, where am I? This is awesome. She goes, you need to leave right away before someone else spots you and it could get bad or said something along the lines of that. Like you need to leave before it could get worse or you need to leave because it won't be safe for you. Something, it was like a warning. Don't let other people. I said, okay, I'll leave. I'll, I'll leave, I promise. But just tell me where I am. So instead of her answering me back, telepathically, she flashes the word in my head, I-L-L-Y-R-I-A, in big, bold letters. That's all I got. I don't know if it's two words, three words, one words, but it's I-L-L-Y-R-I-A. So I was like, okay. She's like, you need to go. And I was like, all right, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I totally lied. We didn't leave. We left the market and 
because we didn't want to be detected or whatever. We kind of ran back to the beach and we're like, we're not leaving. So we get in the water, we're swimming around. And I'm just like, this is heaven on earth. I don't want to go. I want to stay in this place forever. And then I thought, well, there's that, that rocky formation that I was telling you about, the, a big one on the left-hand side. I thought, you know what I want to do? I want to climb up that. I can kind of maybe see where I might be able to climb up a path and see like what's atop there and see if I can see anything on the other side or, you know, just take a look because that, we can't go back to the center of where the town was or where the market was. And so as I'm getting out of the water, once again, I'm going, ow, my feet, shit, you know, ow. And then I look and the guy is right behind me. He gets out of the water. It was like one of those um, Dolce Gabbana, like cologne commercials. Like he gets out and he's got like water dripping from his body, dark hair. And I see this big, bright white smile. And he's like walking to get out. And I'm ahead of him standing on the beach, complaining about my feet. And then I wake up. And when I woke up, I instantly like threw my body back down. Like go back to sleep, go back to sleep, bitch, go back to sleep. Couldn't go back to sleep. And I thought, man, what was that? So I thought, all I have is, the, is that word. And why it's fresh in my mind, I'm going to Google it. And man, oh man, I typed in I-L-L-Y-R-I-A. And what popped up was a Roman civil, well, it's not Roman. It was during the Roman Empire, a civilization that was thousands of years ago. It was, I think I wrote it down. It was like 167 BC to 400 BC. It was an actual civilization that existed before it lost some wars. They other things took over the territory, you know, the Roman empire took over, but they were called Illyrians. It was Illyria. And I thought, oh my God, this is real. So after researching and trying to read about Illyrians and things like that, and I saw, guess where Illyria was on the Adriatic Sea. So I Google Adriatic Sea and I see beautiful turquoise water. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is it. This is the water. So when I did that, I was like, okay, well, where, what is modern day Alaria? Like what country is it now? And it's Albania and Croatia. So the first thing I did was I Googled Croatia beaches and it took five pictures for me to find that perfect abrasion coast with that rocky formation. I was like with the small pebbles. And I was like, that looks almost identical to what I saw in my dream. And I was just like, I just time traveled. I just went back to an ancient ancient civilization that I have never heard of, I've never learned of, swam around in the Adriatic Sea, and I realized that the guy I time traveled with, he also time traveled, and I don't know if he was from my time now, if he was from a different timeline or what, but we both time traveled together at that moment to that location. I just remember thinking like, this is by far the coolest thing that has ever happened. I hope every night here, you know, in the future, I get to go to a different place. Like, and I'm like, can we do Egypt next? Like I prayed, like, can we please do Egypt? <laughs> like I thought I had control over it, no control whatsoever. So I time traveled and still such one of the best experiences. Like I said, I just remember how the water felt, the air smelled. It was such clean air. Then, then another good dream that people probably um, appreciate is Kobe Bryant, his, his crash. So a few days before his crash, I had a, I was in the middle of a dream and it split off and I saw a man, a tall black man in a uniform. I didn't pay attention to color or number or anything. And he was standing in front of a huge group of people and they were cheering for him and chanting. You know, he was just kind of standing in front of them, kind of like boasting like he did something great. I got that I'm in a basketball arena and thousands of people are there and people are there to see him. So I'm like, okay. And then the next thing I got was 
a female relative that's a teenager is going to get in an accident and die. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, shit, what was that? I'm like, okay. And at the time, a friend from high school, he played semi-pro basketball in a different country. I thought, because like he's friends with my brother, I'm friends with him, we talk on Snapchat. I thought this must be about him because I've been having dreams about other people and I give them a heads up and warning. And they'll either call me later that day and say, how the hell do you know that was going to happen? Or they'll call me, you know, two weeks later and say, what are you? How did you know that was going to happen for like exactly how you said it? Or it'll be like six weeks later. I don't know. And I, and I just said, I don't know. So I thought, wow, this is a warning. I need, I need to tell him that if he has a sister or something that just for her to wear a safety belt, I wasn't going to tell her about death because you can't give somebody that type of message. Like, Hey, I think somebody, you know, is going to die. So I just was going to say, there might be an accident. Tell them to look out and, you know, to be careful. If somebody's in a car speeding, tell them to slow their ass down. So I said it to him and I said, you know, how do you approach the subject to somebody that, you know, but how do you say, Hey man, I have dreams and visions that come true and they come true all the time. And I just want to know, do you have a younger sister? And he's like, no, I have a brother. And I was like, well, maybe I got the gender wrong. I said, I had a dream that a tall black basketball player had a female relative that was a teenager was going to, you know, get hurt in an accident. And he just said, am I the only tall black person, you know, like kind of joking about it. I was like, no, shut up, man. I go, but you're the only guy I know that plays basketball on some kind of level where thousands of people would come to see you, even though the semi-pro league isn't quite like that. But, you know, people were sitting there and cheering and chanting for you. And I saw back of a head like, and I was like, and you're tall. And I'm like, dude, you're freaking really tall. And I'm like, so I think it's about you because you're the only one I know that that would kind of fit the bill. And I was like, just tell, you know, your younger brother. And he's like, well, he's not a teenager. And I was like, well, man, maybe I just got my wires crossed. I don't know. Could be a cousin. I said, but just, you know, maybe you might want to tell a couple of your family members just to please be careful, pay attention to what they're doing. A few days pass, I see the news that Kobe Bryant's helicopter went down and everyone died in that horrible accident and his teenage daughter died. And as soon as I saw that, it was like my body, my brain clicked and was like, that's what it was. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's what I saw. Kobe Bryant from behind and his teenage daughter. And I was just like, oh man. So, you know, you process that. And I thought, oh, I need to tell this guy like to say, hey, I'm so sorry, I got it mixed up. It's not your family. It was Kobe Bryant's, it was his daughter. Now I didn't get that the basketball player was gonna die. I got the younger female relative that was a teenager was going to die. So I called and told him, or I sent him a text and I said, hey, your family's good. It wasn't about you. It was about Kobe Bryant. Are you sure? I don't know, that doesn't really sound right. I said man, I told you it was a tall black basketball player that plays on a professional level that thousands of people go to see and watch play basketball in a big arena. A teenage relative died, a female teenage relative died. I was like, yeah, it was Kobe Bryant. He's like, oh, I don't know. That would be too really far-fetched to be able to predict that. And I just left it alone. Uh, Yeah, you're right. That's too far-fetched. You know, I don't have time to convince everybody around me, like what is happening is happening. So that was a pretty phenomenal that stuff happens all the time. The next dream I'll talk about this one. You got ties time into, for one more. Okay. This one ties into the matrix. I'm going to um, condense this. It can be, I can go into a lot more detail, but I won't. The gist of it is, is that I wanted to take my mom to um, this book warehouse for her birthday and mother's day. So I, it was in the back of my mind that I wanted to do this. So I'm having a dream on the middle of a dream. And my mom and I are walking to a big library and it's a two-story library. And I say to my mom, hey, I want to go upstairs and check out the books upstairs. I go to an elevator. That's all they had to get up. 
I get on this elevator and there's two men. Oh, I'm sorry. There's three men in this elevator and it's a big service elevator. Two guys dressed in plain clothes and one guy in the back, all cool, calm and collected in a double breasted suit. And I thought, you know, this is how a bad porno starts, you know, two girl or a girl <laughs> and three guys in an elevator. But, you know, and when I got into the elevator, I was, I even kind of had like a, and it wasn't because I was in an elevator with guys. I just kind of was like, Ooh, I don't know about this, but this is the only way I can get to the second floor. And I want to go there. So I hit the, the second button. And as soon as I hit the number two button, the elevator shoots up like a rocket up, up. And the two guys that are dressed in plain clothes are like freaking out. Oh my God, what is happening? What is happening? Are we on a rocket? And then I instantly, cause I, I'm aware that I'm dreaming. I was like, Oh shit, here we go. I knew like, this is a message within your dream. So I'm leaning back up against the thing, holding on for dear life because we're being shot up into God knows where. And the guy in the suit is very calm. We finally come to a stop and it jarred us. And then the two guys are freaking out, losing their shit. I'm not, well, all right, let's get this, like, like let's get it going. Like, what, what is this? So the guys are freaking out and the guy in the suit walks forward towards me and he snaps his fingers. And the two guys that were freaking out drop to the floor. They, they're just... They're out, they're dead, or they're knocked out. I don't know what they are, but I'm, it's a dream. So I'm not worried if he killed them or not, you know? So I was like, all right, man, like what is happening? So basically he gets out. They test me to see if I am strong enough to get out of a trap that is set inside of the elevator. All of a sudden the doors are clear and he's surrounded by women looking at me. They're women, all different races, ranging probably from 12 years old to like in the twenties surrounded by a horde of women. And they're all staring at me, watching me, seeing if I'm going to die or get myself out of the situation. So I finally make it out of the situation and I'm pissed. You know, I'm yelling at, yelling at them being like, dude, I don't know what this is. I just want to go back to the library. Like I need this to be done. I said, you know, I feel like you could have like killed me. I was like, this is not cool. Send me back. And some little girl comes on. She was um, Hispanic looking, 12 years old, 14 years old. And she tells me, I'm, well, I'm really glad you survived. The others didn't. And I said, or she says, I'm like, the others didn't pass the test. What? The others. And I thought, okay, man, I don't know what's going on, but can you get me back down? She's like, no, 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 you can't. You have to come with me. And while she's talking to me, her face starts turning into a lizard. Part of it does. And I said, Hey, by the way, your face right there. And she goes, Oh, and she was embarrassed. She's like, I'm really sorry. She's like, I just haven't had enough meat yet. Oh, damn. I was like, look, I have an idea of what maybe you are. I go, I don't care. I'm not going to give a shit. I'm not going to tell anybody. Just help me get back down downstairs. She's like, I, I'm not allowed to do that. So she brings me into this house and this house is floating on a piece of property of land that has trees and bushes, but the land is floating in the sky. It's up in the sky, in the clouds. And oh my God, even if I wanted to go back down, I can't, I can't walk off this edge. There's, it's a straight drop off. So I'm like, I just got to play this game and see how this goes off. They introduced me to all these girls in this house. I don't remember any of the girls' names because while they're showing me around this house where all these girls have to stay, I'm looking at what can I do to protect myself? What can I grab? How can I get out of here? I'm looking at ways to assess when I get a chance, how can I flee? And then they tell me about some girl who's really dangerous. They had to lock her up in one of the cells downstairs in a room. As they walk by, they show me, oh, so-and-so's in there. She's really dangerous. She can't control her powers right now. They said power. She has power. She can't control them right now. So we have to put her away for everybody's safety. And I'm thinking to myself, like, uh, all right. They show me around, show me other people. They get me to a kitchen. It's not very nice. It's kind of dingy and dirty. And they hand me a dirty blanket. And they're like, okay, well, it's time for us to sleep. And I go, uh, excuse me. 
was like, sleep, you want me to sleep on the floor and you're giving me a blanket? And I remember all of a sudden I felt really hungry and I see an orange. Is this an orange? And this is what's really weird. She goes, it is an orange if you want it to be an orange. And I said, what do you mean by that? I go, I'm hungry. I'm in my dream and I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. You've led me around. I'm like, is this an orange? She goes, do you want it to be an orange? Because it's going to be what you want it to be. And I'm thinking, I'm going to put this back. I'm not biting into this or opening this up because you can't even tell me if this is an orange telling me it is what I make it. I'm not biting that shit. No, thank you. So I put it back. I find a way to do something to the power while everybody's sleeping and it unlocked the door to the girl. I mean, like I said, I'm paraphrasing and jumping forward into this story. I find a way to hit the breaker box and also I rip out or cut the lines leading to the breaker box. All hell breaks loose in the house and I figured, yes, I can at least get out of the house and just try to see if I can get back to the elevator to go back down. Like I figured the elevator's still there. I can hit one and go back down to the library, get back to my dream and then wake up and get out of this hellhole. Sure enough, I see a little girl off to the side on her knees and she's really sad. And I instantly know that's the chick that was locked up because the fact that's the only girl I don't recognize. So I was like, oh shit, this is the one they say is dangerous. So I do what any sane person does. I go up to her and I start talking to her. I was like, hey, you must be so-and-so. They told me about you. And she proceeds to tell me something like, yeah, they just don't understand me. I'm really sad. And this is what makes me think they were testing me to do something because she said, my best friend died and I'm really sad. And they just don't understand it. And because I'm sad, my powers, I've lost somewhat control of my powers and I can't help it. So they say I'm dangerous. They've been locking me up, but that just makes my powers worse. And I thought, oh man. And I realized that something happened. This is a group of women that are being kept on this, in this house, on this floating thing that have powers. One of the girls died and they've been testing people to take the place of that girl. And that's what I'm here for. They're testing me to see if I'm going to be good enough to take the place of this girl or whatever. So I feel really bad. I'm consoling this little girl and I'm hugging her. I said, I'm so sorry about that. And she said, it's okay. And then I looked up and I told her, like, look behind you. Look at the sunset. I go, we are in, in the actual sky. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it was. I've never seen a sunset or anything like this. And I probably never will. And I said, it was like, I'm in the sunset. I am this, like, we are the sunset. And I said, I'm so sorry, but if you look behind you, look how beautiful it is. And at that moment, I see the gentleman in the suit and all the women now standing and watching me interact with this little girl. And I'm on my knees um, down on her level because she was on her knees. And right as I looked up and saw the guy and the women, another gentleman comes out of nowhere who I didn't know was there. And he puts his hands on my head and he does something to my brain, like electric, like shocks it. And I see colors. I see symbols. I see things that I, I, I don't quite understand. Like I'm almost like a language that's a sim like made out of symbols and I'm seeing them in color. And I like jerk away from the guy. And I said, what are you doing? And I kind of cuss him out. I'm like, dude, don't you dare effing touch me. And I just kind of went off and I said, that that's not cool. What did you do to my head? You, you shocked my brain. And the gentleman that put his hands on me looked to the guy in the suit and goes, I couldn't break through. And all the girls we're like, oh, she didn't let you in. You couldn't break through. And I heard everybody whispering, that has never happened. Nobody has been able to not resist him or have him break through, especially on the first time. And uh, one, of the girl, one of the girls, I think, said she must be more powerful than we even thought like that. And I said, look, man, I don't know what you just did or what this is. And I said, I'm about over it. And I go, I want to go back down to the library. My mom probably wondered where I am. I said, you've played your little game. I'm not playing anymore. Let me go back. 
And now he's just staring at me. And I was like, you're not going to let me go back until I just do what you want me to do. And I'm like, what are you trying to do? And he goes, I want to show you what your world really is and what it really looks like. And I said, man, I'll tell you what, I already have my suspicions that this world is a matrix or in simulation. I said, I know it's probably just some big piece of shit. I bet it looks hor horrible. I said, I don't even want to know. I said, I want to go back down. I want to go um, back to the library. I want to go back to my mom and I want to wake up and pretend this never happened. And they're like, we can't let you leave. And I said, fine, fine. Go ahead and show me things that I don't want to know. Show me things in my head that I don't want to see. Fine. I get down on my knees and he comes up behind me. He puts his hands on either side of my head. And right as I was about to allow him to break into my mind or whatever he was going to do, the cat jumped on my chest and woke me up at that exact moment. And I swear to God, I have never been so happy for that cat to jump on me. I was like, yes, oh my God, I'm awake. And I honestly think that cat could maybe sense somehow that I was in distress or something that I was maybe going through something that I was not enjoying. And she woke me up at the exact moment that man was about to show me what he was going to show me. And like I said, I saw it was like a language or symbols or symbols I've never seen before. And to tell you the truth, I kind of looked up different symbols and stuff, Anunnaki language and like Enochian symbols or things, honestly, they resembled more, they weren't hieroglyphics. They resembled more of like ancient alien texts or something, but they were in color and that's what it was trying to like put in my brain. So yeah, that's just one of many things. Yeah, but the time travel was my favorite. So, but that led me start thinking even more about what we're gonna talk about in the third episode, how I came to realize that this is a, a matrix, a holographic matrix and, yeah. And then that was, that led me on the path to get myself out of it and start seeing things differently. Once you go there, you can't go back, but I'm glad I did it. So yeah, but that's just it's, a snippet. So it's like, like we said, uh, these, the first, each episode gets a little more intense <laughs> and uh, this next episode that we'll go through, we'll talk about, uh, like you said, the matrix, which, you know, basically is saying that, you know, like uh, life is a simulation that it's not really what you think it is. It's some behind the scenes stuff going on. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the Illuminati and uh, messages we're talk and signs. We're yeah. going to talk about messages that you get and that you deliver to people. And hopefully you're going to tell the church story uh, because that, oh, was a, yeah. that was a that fantastic was story. One, that was the first one that I like really kind of was like, oh shit, this is really happening. And I think who I'm thinking about communicating with, like, I think I'm communicating with like, this is, this is on, you know? So yeah. And I still communicate with them every day. Well, Stephanie, thanks for coming on with us again. And, you know, I, I know we said this was, I know we said this was going to be three episodes, but you actually, we, we talked for over an hour yesterday uh, that was completely off the air and you brought up some stuff that I thought think would actually make an interesting fourth episode. So we can talk about mm -hmm. that later. And Hey, well, that sounds great. I'm all game. As long as, hey, man, this is your show. It's your world. I'm just living in it. So you you make the call and I'll do it. Well, you got some free rent for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Can you pay my actual rent? That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you. All right, dear. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye.